0: Chapter Sixty Three of Wilder's Hand. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathy Barrett. Wilder's Hand by J. Sheridan LeFanu. Chapter Sixty Three The Ace of Hearts. "'So you're going to London? "'Tomorrow is not it,' said Captain Lake, "'when on the green of Gillingdon where visitors were promenading "'and the militia bands playing Polkas, "'he met Mr. Josiah Larkin in lavender trousers and kid gloves, "'new hat, metropolitan black frock-coat, and shining French boots, "'the most elegant as well as the most Christian of provincial attorneys. "'Ah, yes, I think, should my engagements permit, "'of starting early tomorrow.' the fact is captain lake our poor friend the vicar you know the reverend william wilder has pressing occasion for some money and i can't leave him absolutely in the hands of burlington and smith no of course quite so said lake with that sly smile which made every fellow on whom it lighted somehow fancy that the captain had divined his secret very honest fellows with good looking after eh the attorney laughed a little awkwardly with his pretty pink blush over his long face "'Well, I'm far from saying that, but it is their business, you know, to take care of their client, and it would not do to give them the handling of mine. Can I do anything, Captain Lake, for you while in town?' "'Nothing on earth, thank you very much. But I am thinking of doing something for you. You've interested yourself a great deal about Mark Wilder's movements.' "'Not more than my duty clearly imposed.' yes but notwithstanding it will operate i am afraid as you will presently see rather to his prejudice for to prevent your conjectural interference from doing him a more serious mischief i will now and here if you please divulge the true and only cause of his absconding it is fair to mention however that your knowing it will make you fully as odious to him as i am and that i assure you is very odious indeed there were four witnesses beside myself lieutenant colonel jermyn "'Sir James Carter, Lord George Van and Ned Clinton.' "'Witnesses? Captain Lake! Do you allude to a legal matter?' inquired Larkin, with his look of insinuating concern and inquiry. "'Quite the contrary, a very lawless matter, indeed. "'These four gentlemen beside myself were present at the occurrence. "'But perhaps you've heard of it,' said the captain, "'though that's not likely.' "'Not that I recollect, Captain Lake,' answered Josiah Larkin. Well, it is not a thing you'd forget easily, and indeed, it was a very well-kept secret as well as an ugly one. And Lake smiled in his sly, quizzical way. And where, Captain Lake, did it occur? May I inquire? Said Larkin with his charming insinuation. You may, and you shall hear. In fact, I'll tell you the whole thing. It was at Gray's Club in Pall Mall. The whist party were Old German, Carter, Vanbrugh, and Wilder. Clinton and I were at piquet, and were disturbed by a precious row the old boys kicked up. "'German and Carter were charging Mark Wilder, in so many words, with not playing fairly. "'There was an ace of hearts on the table played by him, and before three minutes they "'brought it home, and in fact it was quite clear that poor dear Mark had helped himself "'to it in quite an irregular way. "'Oh, dear Captain Lake, oh, dear, how shocking! "'How inexpressibly shocking! "'Is not it melancholy?' said Larkin, in his finest and most pathetic horror. "'Yes, but don't cry till I've done,' said Lake tranquilly. "'Mark tried to bully, but the cool old heads were too much for him, and he threw himself at last entirely on our mercy, and very abject he became, poor thing. "'How well the mountains look. "'I'm afraid we shall have rain tomorrow. Larkin uttered a short groan. "'So they sent him into the small card-room, next that we were playing in. "'I think we were about the last in the club. "'It was past three o'clock, and so the old boys deliberated on their sentence.' to bring the matter before the committee were utter ruin to mark and they let him off on these conditions he was to retire forthwith from the club he was never to play any game of cards again and lastly he was never more to address any one of the gentlemen who were present at his detection poor dear devil how he did jump at the conditions and provided they were each and all strictly observed it was intimated that the occurrence should be kept secret well you know that was letting poor old mark off in a coach and i do assure you though we had never liked one another i really was very glad they did not move his expulsion which would have involved his quitting the service and i positively don't know how he could have lived if that had occurred "'I do solemnly assure you, Captain Lake, what you have told me has beyond expression "'amazed, and I will say horrified me,' said the attorney, with a slow and melancholy vehemence. "'Better men might have suspected something of it. "'I do solemnly pledge my honour that nothing of the kind so much as crossed my mind. "'Not naturally suspicious, I believe, but all the more shocked Captain Lake on that account. "'He was poor, then, you see, and a few pounds were everything to him, "'and the temptation immense, but clumsy fellows ought not to try that sort of thing.' there's the highway mark would have made a capital garrator the attorney groaned and turned up his eyes the band was playing pop goes the weasel and old jackson very well dressed and buckled up with a splendid smile upon his waggish military countenance cried as he passed with a wave of his hand how do lake how do mr larkin beautiful day i've no wish to injure mark but it is better that you should know at once than go about poking everywhere for information I do assure you, and having really no wish to hurt him, pursued the captain, and also making it, as I do, a point that you shall repeat this conversation as little as possible, I don't choose to appear singular as your sole informant, and I've given you here a line to Sir James Carter. He's member, you know, for Huddlesbury. I mention that Mark, having broken his promise, and played for heavy stakes, too, both on board his ship and at Plymouth and Naples, which I happen to know, and also by accosting me, whom as one of the gentlemen agreeing to impose, these conditions he was never to address, I felt myself at liberty to mention it to you, holding the relation you do to me as well as to him, in consequence of the desirableness of placing you in possession of the true cause of his absconding, which was simply my telling him that I would not permit him, slurred as he was, to marry a lady who was totally ignorant of his actual position, and in fact that unless he withdrew I must acquaint the young lady's guardian of the circumstances.' there was quite enough probability in this story to warrant Josiah Larkin in turning up his eyes and groaning. But in the intervals his shrewd eyes searched the face of the captain, not knowing whether to believe one syllable of what he related. I may as well mention here that the attorney did present the note to Sir J. Carter, with which Captain Lake had furnished him. Indeed, he never lost an opportunity of making the acquaintance of a parson of rank and that the worthy baronet so appealed to, and being a blunt sort of fellow, and an old acquaintance of Stanley's, did, in a short and testy sort of way, corroborate Captain Lake's story, having previously conditioned that he was not to be referred to as the authority from whom Mr. Larkin had learned it. The attorney and Captain Brandon Lake were now walking side by side over the more sequestered part of the green. "'And so,' said the captain, coming to a standstill, "'I'll bid you good-bye, Larkin. What stay, I forgot to ask, do you make in town?' only a day or two you'll not wait for the division on trawler's motion oh dear no i calculate i'll be here again certainly in three days time and i suppose captain lake you received my note you mean just now oh yes of course it is all right but one day is as good as another and you have got my agreement signed pardon me captain brandon lake the fact is one day in this case does not answer as well as another for i must have drafts of the deeds prepared by my conveyancer in town and the note is indispensable perhaps if there is any difficulty you will be so good as to say so and i shall then be in a position to consider the case in its new aspect what the devil difficulty can there be sir i can't see it any more than what hurry can possibly exist about it said lake stung with a momentary fury it seemed as though every one was conspiring to perplex and torment him and he like the poor vicar though for very different reasons had grown intensely anxious to sell he had grown to dread the attorney since the arrival of dutton's letter he suspected that his journey to london had for its object a meeting with that person he could not tell what might be going on in the dark but the possibility of such a conjunction might well dismay him on the other hand the more mr larkin relied upon the truth of dutton's letter the cooler he became respecting the purchase of five oaks it was of course a very good thing but not his first object the vicar's reversion in that case was everything and of it he was now sure "'There is no difficulty about the note, sir. It contains but four lines, and I've given you the form. No difficulty can exist but in the one quarter. And the fact is,' he added steadily, "'unless I have that note before I leave to-morrow morning, I'll assume that you wish to be off, Captain Lake, and I will adapt myself to circumstances.' "'You may have it now,' said the captain, with a fierce carelessness. "'Damned nonsense! Who could have fancied any such stupid hurry? Send in the morning, and you shall have it.' and the captain rather savagely turned away, skirting the crowd who hovered about the band, in his leisurely and now solitary ramble. The captain was sullen that evening at home. He was very uncomfortable. His heart was failing him for the things that were coming to pass. One of his maniacal tempers which had often before thrown him, as it were, off the rails, was at the bottom of his immediate troubles. This proneness to sudden accesses of violence and fury was the compensation which abated the effect of his ordinary craft and self-command. He had done all he could to obviate the consequences of his folly in this case. He hoped the attorney might not succeed in discovering Jim Dutton's whereabouts. At all events he had been beforehand, and taken measures to quiet that person's dangerous resentment. But it was momentous, in the critical state of things, to give this dangerous attorney a handsome share in his stake, to place him, as he had himself said, in the same boat, and enlist all his unscrupulous astuteness in maintaining his title and if he went to London disappointed, and that things turned out unluckily about Dutton, it might be a very awful business indeed. Dinner had been a very dull tete-a-tete. Dorcas sat stately and sad, looking from the window toward the distant sunset horizon, piled in dusky gold and crimson clouds against the faded green sky, a glory that is always melancholy and dreamy. Stanley sipped his claret, his eyes upon the cloth. He raised them and looked out, too, and the ruddy light tinted his pale features. A gleam of good humour seemed to come with it, and he said, "'I was just thinking, dorky, that for you and me, alone, these great rooms are a little dreary. Suppose we have tea in the tapestry room?' "'The Dutch room, Stanley. I think so. I should like it very well. So I am certain, would Rachel?' i've written to her to come i hope she will i expect her at nine the brougham will be with her she wrote such an odd note to-day addressed to you but i opened it here it is she did not watch his countenance or look in his direction as he read it she addressed herself on the contrary altogether to her lilliputian white lap-dog snow and played with his silken ears and chatted with him as ladies will a sealed envelope broken that scoundrel larkham knew perfectly it was meant for me he was on the point of speaking his mind which would hardly have been pleasant to hear upon this piece of detective impertinence of his wife's he could have smashed all the glass upon the table but he looked serene and leaned back with the corner of rachel's note between two fingers it was a case in which he clearly saw he must command himself chapter sixty three